This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. Together today, we are here with Jason Gaddis, who is just a cool dude. We both want to be his friends. He invented the Relationship School. He also has a new book coming out called Getting to Zero. You can learn more about the book at gettingtozerobook.com. comes out in the next week or so, so it'd be really cool if you picked it up, pre-ordered. It's full of a lot of great tips about how to do conflict in high-stakes relationships. I'm already using a lot of his insights in my practice and also in my house. I think you will find it helpful too. Um, he's got a lot to offer uh, most of us actually, but I think each of us at times during the episode taps into our inner potty mouth. If that's not your jam, you might want to plug your ears or hide your kids or whatever it is that you need to do because it remains as always a very cool conversation. Stick around. Welcome Jason. <laughs> How's it going? Hi. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the deal with Jason. Uh, so Jason's people reached out to us and uh, said, Hey, you've got this book. And I was like, that's cool. It's interesting. I'm interested. And then I was like, I think this guy's name is familiar to me. So I Google, mm-hmm. I go into my inbox and I just Google your name. And the only reference I have to you is a client that a couple that I was working with, they were like, Hey, um, thanks for all your work. We found this guy, Jason and his his program. We're going to do that. So you're fired is basically my introduction to Jason guys. Um, <laughs> but, but what, what are they doing? What's your thing? What, what are you, what are you doing for couples and how can we start this conversation off in a way that is, uh, is helpful to everybody? Yeah. I help, uh, you know, individuals and couples just get better at relationship, um, become adults in their partnerships and their families. Mm-hmm. That's my, I'm, that's my love. You're speaking my love language right there. Becoming adults. I absolutely. feel like I'm just like sitting in the corner. <laughs> go ahead and gush on him. Okay. Go on, go on, Jason. Yeah. So I, I run the relationship school. Um, my wife is one of my helper types that just is a badass. She's kind of my secret weapon that comes in and teaches. Sometimes we train couples, coaches, how to work with couples virtually. And yeah, I just wrote a book and I'm pumped to be here. And um, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I've been married 14 years, going on 18 together with a couple of gnarly breakups. And wow. Yeah. Love relationship and love this kind of conversation, meeting people like you. Okay. So just to clarify the relationship school that you're doing, um, that's for you to train coaches to work with couples. Is it also for 
you to work with individuals and couples in learning how to do relationship better? Yeah. So we teach classes. Um, I got tired of bitching about the fact there is no relationship education in school. So I created one. Mm. Cool. And I created a bunch of courses and classes and things that people could learn online how to improve this area of their life. Okay. I love it. Yeah. When did you start, Jason? You know, I, I mean, I became a therapist back in 2004 um, and then transitioned to coaching sometime around 2010 and started the school. I didn't start the school until about 2016. So for our listeners, what that means is that you are not bound. Um, part of the reason why I love working with really great relationship coaches is that it makes you available to the masses. Whereas Zach and I are really kind of bound by right. our licensure of working with couples within the state that we're licensed. So for the listeners who are saying like, I really want an amazing resource, but oh man, they're not in my state. Um, even though you're in Colorado, you can work with anybody. Are you working with folks internationally? Oh yeah. Yeah. And we have coaches internationally now Sweet. too. Um, South Africa and Canada and Europe. and Amazing. Yeah. Why don't you guys be coaches? Why don't you guys just call yourself coaches or do like a six week coaching training? And be well, coaches? we were just, we were kind of just talking about that. So I cannot, um, I'm in the process of becoming a sex therapist. And so you have to carry a license, um, in order to be a sex, uh, yeah. a certified sex therapist. Um, and then we're also both certified Gottman therapists. And in order to carry that flag, you also have to ground it in a licensure. So it is a bit of a dance. Um, you know, if yeah. we, if we dump the license, we dump the credentials as well. So that's, it's tough. Could you do both? I, I know some, a lot of therapists now because of COVID, they're also coaching and they're setting up a side business that's coaching virtually. I will also. keep my opinions to myself. Um, <laughs> I, I like, okay. <laughs> I'm way more by the book than Zach. Like Zach would be like, sure, whatever. And Laura's then way more asked permission and I'm way more asked for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, but that's fascinating that you started, you kind of cracked the online help thing or started to anyway, in 2016. Like that's right now it's sort of ubiquitous. Everybody is only meeting online because you can't breathe there, but you, yeah. um, but you found a way to become helpful like right away. So when couples found you or were starting to find you, I think including mine, I, I kind of think that was around 2016, if not, if not shortly thereafter, what are they, what, what are, why do they come to you? Why do they pick you? What is your, what do you what do you have for them that maybe they're not finding for themselves? It's a good question. You know, I, the feedback I always get is you tell it to me straight. You challenge me. You don't let me mm. sit and run my story. You call bullshit on me. And that, that seems to be the consistent feedback. And I think it is a missing component of a lot of therapists. Arsenal is the over support under challenge mm. model. That's interesting. I would say that's probably where Zach and I also kind of stand out a bit is that we call bullshit. Zach, much more than I do. Um, you challenge yeah. your couples. I can tell. I mean, just yeah. survive. Yeah. I'm a little more in, in a good way. A little more empathetic, but at the same time, we're very much so straight shooters. And that's what people say, you know, when there's a when you're looking through just like psychology today and everybody's profile is the same. I work with all these people, blah, blah, blah. And then you come across one that just says, I will call bullshit. I will I will help you grow by pointing out your blind right. spots. And it's not gonna feel good, but you will grow. And I think that's a I'm right with you. So what did you say? You said it's um, under challenge, over support. Yeah, over support, under challenge, exactly. Yes. And and I think people are like, I have two kids. And, and look, if I just over supported my kids and I just was like, hey, it's okay, honey, everything's fine. And I'm just here for you. 
And they were like, I don't want to go to swimming. I don't want to learn how to swim. I don't want to, I want more cookies. I want to do what I want. I don't want to go to school today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd be, you know, having a failure to launch kid and I'd be like enabling the shit out of them. Yeah. You know, kids need their ass kicked sometimes in a met- metaphorically, of course. Um, like, no, you can't do that. Yes, you're going to school. Yes, you do this. Like, this is good for your development. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talk a lot um, about, um, well, I do anyway. I, I'm fascinated often with the idea of like, quadrants you know this this kind of plus 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 minus plus minus whatever um and it's kind of this question that kids in particular are always asking two questions which is am i loved and can i do whatever i want and the answer Uh needs to be yes and no yes you're loved but no you can't do whatever you want and when we give them any other answer um like you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want and, and i love you they turn into sort of these um I don't know, entitled kids, right? Sort of entitled, invincible kids oh, versus, really? would you call it failure to yeah. launch? I like that, which is, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, they can't wipe their own ass when they're in yeah. their 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, my poor sweet daughter is 18 and in college, and she's reporting back some of these stories that you hear. Like, Dad, what am I supposed to do with this laundry? And I'm like, oh, honey, I'm not, oh, not going to tell you. You're going to figure that out. Like, I'm going to. Yeah. yeah. The Google <laughs> right. machine. You yeah. figured out how to get that filter on your phone. You can you figure can out it. how to do laundry. Yeah. yeah. It's nine o'clock and I'm in my dorm room and I want a bowl of cereal and there's no cereal. I'm like, yeah. 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 Sorry. I, and I look, I get it as, as a parent and even as a sort of former therapist or a helper is that when people are in pain, you know, it, it's like kind of my knee jerk reaction is to support. Right. right? And to just try to be there for them. And, and, and at a certain point it turns into mm. too much. It's like, okay, now you need to actually stand up and get back in the game. Mm-hmm. Right on. So what do you, I guess part of my curiosity comes from what are specific areas that you find yourself being a little more tough love on of needing to point out, um, blind spots or just, I don't know, things that people probably need to hear, but they don't want to hear it or it doesn't feel good to hear it. Yeah. Probably the biggest one is my partner, um, won't, you know, take responsibility for their part in a conflict. And I say, well, how long has that been going on? Well, our whole relationship, they, they don't own anything. Are you sure? Like if they were sitting here right now, would they, would Mm -hmm. they agree with you? And they might say, well, yeah, they, they probably would because they're just kind of defended and they don't really like listening to podcasts and stuff. And I say, well, why are you in this relationship? Mm. Well, cause there's so much potential here. And I'm like, well, so, okay. You fell in love with potential, not a real person here. So I just start to challenge the fact that they're in a relationship with someone that's pretty unavailable mm-hmm. to meet them. And that means they're unavailable. Otherwise they wouldn't be choosing mm. to stay with them. If they were really available, they'd move on and find someone who's actually willing to meet them in a mm-hmm. mutual partnership. So turning mm-hmm. it around when people are pointing their finger at their partner and saying they're not showing up, you're all you're focused on is them. What is who's sitting in front of you and totally. who's talking and what their part yeah. in it. Wow. Yeah. I'm guessing yeah. you guys do the same, right? It's like I can't I can't help the exactly. person that's not here. Yeah. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time with the person who's not here, but I'm thinking that I don't know if I actually like what you said. Um, Mm. so I have to like, think about that a little bit in terms of like the, the, this idea that, um, you know, why are you with this person? But I do think, I don't know if I would come at it that way, but I think, I think you're onto something that I do think is critical in couples relationships, which is we do have to have people be responsible for their choices. Like relationship is ultimately about choice. And if I'm going to come in here and be like, Hey, my partner, my partner, my partner, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I, I appreciate the instinct to say, um, 
you know, why don't we turn it back around on you? And again, I'm not anti what you said, but I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting, it's an interesting notion that, that we would immediately, because I don't think we're supposed to immediately go to, well, you could always leave, but the reality is they could always leave. People tell me this idea, like divorce is not an option. I'm like, yeah, it is. (laughs) It is literally an option. It is an option that you have available to you. But if you're not going to consider it, then, then you don't have any choice. But if you are going to consider it, then all of a sudden your choices open up for you, which I think is is an important reframe for people to hear. But I'm I'm into it. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's like I I'm not saying I say that to people who are just talking about their partner. It's people who are talking about their partner in a particular way, which is yeah. they're kind of not available gotcha. for the work or to, to grow or whatever. I'm saying, mm-hmm. well, why are you with them? You know, because they keep trying to, they're hooked trying to right. change yeah. their partner to yeah. do what they want. I, I just like I'm the whole question that. of why are you with your partner? And also you have a choice. And when people start to feel like I have a choice, to me, it's like the whole idea, the notion of waking up every day and choosing love, choosing your relationship, choosing your partner, knowing that, that you do have yeah. a choice. You do have uh, autonomy in that. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you because the, your book that you wrote is really focused on conflict. And I'm really interested in that because there's, I mean, as a Gottman therapist, we kind of have, we teach in like three main buckets and conflict is one of the main ones, but we also talk a lot about intimacy. We talk Mm -hmm. a lot about, uh, creating purpose and meaning in your life, uh, moving forward. But I am really curious why this book is it being your first book, why you chose conflict to talk about. Yeah. A couple of reasons. One is I was told by my agent that marriage <laughs> books don't do that well. I feel like you Just and Zach are one and the same. My um, goodness. Awesome. Okay. I know. Uh, did I tell you this? I don't know if I told you this, Jason, and, and I do want to hear, but um, I, I heard, uh, I got my proposal in front of two agents and they were both like, this book is amazing. People are, this book is important. It's going to change the world. And I was like, yes. And they're like, I can't sell it. I'm like, what? They're like, people don't want that. They don't want honest truth about their relationship. And you'd also don't have a million, you don't have a blue check yet. So Uh by the way, if you're not following us on marriage therapy radio at the Instagram. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So your agent said, uh, marriage books don't do that well. That was part of it. And then I did, I've always had this, um, you know, I teach a class on conflict called Accepted and Connected. It's a live workshop and a training. And because um, that's what everybody mm-hmm. wants, right? Yep. We want to feel accepted and connected for who we are. Um, and um, so the way to get that is mm-hmm. to go through conflict. And um, I just saw disaster after disaster in my own life, including me with my own relationships around conflict seems to be the crux of any super strong long-term partnership is if you can figure out conflict, Mm-hmm. you guys can become a badass team. Because uh, that, that seems to be where most people get stuck. So I, I thought, man, if I could just write a book that would really address that mm-hmm. that crux, that sticking point, hopefully it would help a lot of people. And I, I felt like a lot of the conflict books are a bit out of date, particularly nonviolent communication, which still gets referenced all the which fucking is, time. It's a great book, though, but it's it from like out the of 80s, date. Yeah. You know? There's no neuroscience in there and there's no attachment theory. And so... I wanted to make a street level book that was nerdy with the attachment science mm-hmm. and neuroscience stuff, but also fun and engaging and street level. Mm-hmm. I like that you call it street level. Cause I'm constantly asking people, you know, is this a book for therapists to read, to get better at being a therapist? Or is this a book for the lay person who's in a relationship to read? And it sounds like you wrote this for couples, but it's, it's digestible. 
while also giving good information, good research? I wrote it um, not for couples, but including couples. I wrote it actually for like teams, businesses, um, individuals mostly, and couples. Because it's really anyone who's stuck around conflict and, and avoids it or can't get through it. It's like, it's for that person. So it's very, it's kind of a wide audience. And I didn't really want to limit it, limit it to just couples, even though a lot of my examples in the book are about couples mm-hmm. because it's a human problem, mm-hmm. right? We're all dealing with this one, including like I struggle with conflict all the time. Like I need, I need this book, right? That's so in the intro of the book, it says for myself <laughs> so that I can fucking learn this over and over and over again. Yeah. So what are you learning and how is it happening you like inside your own house? Yeah. Um, I mean, my wife and I have, I think, an incredible partnership. And we are like every couple where we struggle and we get stuck on our triggers mm-hmm. and our conflicts. And we're currently in a really cool process right now. It's painful sometimes of just refining our repair process, mm-hmm. which is like the after after the mm-hmm. conflict happens. Is like, how do we actually treat each other? And what are the things that we need to do and say? And how, how do we need to be after that? And we're working with a couples coach right now and it's super helpful um, because we're, we're upgrading, you know, we get couples over time, we get kind of stuck and complacent in, in certain patterns mm-hmm. and we're trying to bust out of our pattern that worked ish yeah. and we want to make it even stronger. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm learning what I'm teaching, you know, and everything I, every time I get a little insight, I'm like, Ooh, people mm-hmm. should know this, you know, and they, I share mm-hmm. it. That's a tough we, transition we, to make. I, I, I just started at maybe about a year and a half ago practicing what I preached. It was like, yeah, it was yeah. like, <laughs> meanwhile, the podcast has been out for three yeah, years. I know. Been seeing couples well, for it started because time. it started because Rebecca stopped listening. She stopped listening mm-hmm. to the podcast. She was like, I don't, that doesn't, you don't do that stuff. I'm like, Oh, I guess maybe I would start doing uh-huh. that stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's been an strangely enough. She's still not I, listening to the podcast. I know, I know. She's, <laughs> she doesn't, she's not back. She, no, she doesn't listen unless we have a cool guest. So, um, well, you, maybe you, she'll listen to, maybe Jason. she'll listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> she's tired of you and me. Rebecca, you're awesome. If you're listening, um, we, we do talk a lot about repair though. And I think it's really interesting what you're talking about of kind of finding like, what do we do after we've had conflict? Like, how do we, how do we act? What do we say to one another? Like, do we sleep in the same bed with each other? Do we hug it out? Do we, I just like, we talk about right. kind of like these rituals that we put into place. And it sounds like what you're trying to do is kind of construct an elevated version of a ritual after you've had conflict. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the nerd in me wants to like systematize it. I, I want a system here that works every right. fucking time. And, and human beings aren't like yeah. that, unfortunately. Right. But I, I like to create systems that are skeletons that we can riff yep. off of. Um, and that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do in my own marriage is like, let's see if we can have a, a good framework here. And then we, that allows us to be, cause my wife doesn't like to be boxed into a system, right? It's like, don't yeah. fucking do that to me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm like, okay, well, Still, I like somewhat predictability that we have agreements that, you know, we repair, for example, within 24 hours. Like that's one of our agreements. We don't let something go longer than 24 hours. I have this theory that I've been playing with with couples. I'd be interested to have you both weigh in. But um, basically, it's this idea that when you commit to a long-term relationship with somebody, you sign up for these two privileges that you don't get anywhere else. And the first one is... I can solicit sex from you. Like I can say, Hey, this is really fun today. Can we, you want to have sex tonight? And 
that's not inappropriate or weird. I mean, obviously it has its own nuances, but like you do that at your office, you're getting fired, right? Like, Hey, that was a great meeting. Anybody want to go mess around in the parking garage? Like that's not allowed. But then the other one that you get to do is, is you get to, is you get to like kind of show up as your worst self. You get to scream, raise your voice, slam doors, like cold shoulder people. Um, which again, you would get fired. Like if you did that at your office and you're like, I'm so mad at you. I can't believe you left the dishes in the dishwasher again. Like you would, that would also get you fired. And so, you know, something has to be in, something has to pull those two things together. Something has to be a common denominator in those two privileges. Mm -hmm. And I think it's intimacy. Both of those are extremely intimate, uh, exercises um if the conflict brings you back to this i mean there's there's a thing called makeup sex for a reason right like there's sort of this idea that if we come all the way through we can be drawn closer than we were before we stepped into this battle together and i'd be interested to know where that sort of theory fits into your 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 philosophy of conflict you know as you're learning about it and articulating it well, yeah, and I'm curious what you'd say, Laura, too. I, I think um, the sex point, I, I mean, just those two points are, I'm on I'm on board. Like, those two defining features make us in our a partnership very different sure. than everything else. And um, this, particularly the second one, that we can get messy and in a way that out in the world we, is socially, like, not cool, right? If I'm airing my, if I just actually hit record on one of our fights and then I put it on Facebook, you know, people yeah. be like, oh, they'd want to watch it. They'd be drawn in because it'd be like a reality show. Um, but it'd also be super judgy, right? And everybody's, but everybody would be, mm. be like, wait, I do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I act like that. Because we all behind closed doors, I think, are, are kind of a mess. And I think that's the power and beauty of a long-term partnership is that we get to see that and then find out, can we actually love ourselves and this other person over time, given how messy they are and how much I dislike them sometimes. Well, yeah. And I think it ultimately too, it reinforces the power of choice, right? Like I was just at Laura's house this weekend. And if, if, for example, we had gotten in a big fight over the dishwasher, let's say I just decided, didn't put my dishes away or something. And she screamed at me, I would be like, I'm out. Like, I don't need this. Like, this isn't, there's nothing in this. Like Uh our business relationship is great. And we have a lot of, a lot of sunk costs and whatever. But the, the fact that you are, you know, are in this commitment does make the the choice part of it that much more important because you kind of have to say, no, I'm willing to let you talk to me like this, or I'm willing to let you, I'm willing to go through this ugly, bumpy, you know, you guys have a 24 hour rule, but for a lot of couples that come into our office, it's weeks and months and maybe even years, you know, as you've seen, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't love what you said, Zach, when you said, Number one, you can have sex. Number two, you get the ability to show up as your worst tragic, you know, self, flip into your inner child, whatever it might be. Um, and I didn't love that because when I'm working with couples, what I want to know is how are you showing up as your best self? And maybe we're just going back to choice of you have the ability to, uh, there's a vulnerability and openness that you have in a, in an intimate relationship where you are showing all the broken, nasty, disgusting mm-hmm. pieces of yourself to your partner. But then you also have the choice to show up as your best self and mm-hmm. wrapped up into all of that is when I do show up, 
and I'm gross and disgusting and I'm hurtful and, um, ornery and whatever it might be, there's repair that needs to happen. And I think that if you go without the repair and you just continually show up as your worst self, that's when you hit that breaking point where there's choice. And it's like one of those forced opportunities in the relationship where it's like, Hey, I love you. I chose you for you. And there's something about you that is getting in the way of connecting with me, whether it be addiction, whether it be, um, you know, like, uh, making just bad choices, allowing yourself to be unhealthy and not showing up as your best self. But I don't know. I really like kind of, you ruffled my feathers a bit with that idea of, of being able to be gross and disgusting and like having, having the, uh, the right, I don't know. That's sweet. Just saying. Yeah. Yes. That's Zach's <laughs> way of saying, mm-hmm, that's sweet. No, I think that though, probably what you're surfacing is, is in fact a third piece of it, right? Because you do, you do somewhere in between sex and conflict is I'm hurting and here's my underbelly. Like mm-hmm. he, I'm, I can lay here on this, on this couch or this floor, um, you know, and show you, expose my most vulnerable part to you because, because it's protected by this thing that we're calling commitment or long-term commitment or thing that's called choice. So, um, yeah. 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 And I, I think I love the, I like best self, worst self to me. It's like both are going to hopefully show up in a long-term partnership. And the idea with the quote worst self is yeah, that we repair it. And we also mm-hmm. have some boundaries mm-hmm. around what's okay and what's not okay. You know, so I'm, I'm not condoning like yelling or being aggressive with someone. Um, every couple has their threshold of what, you know, what right. is okay with messy, how messy can we get here? Cause I still want to maintain respect um, that's one of our kind of principles here in our marriage is, you know, there's no disrespect. So to me, and we know mm-hmm. what that line is and where that is and that yeah. hasn't happened in years. Consider this your personal invitation to join Zach and me for the weekend of October 23rd and 24th, virtually from wherever you call home. The Gottman Institute has entrusted Zach and I to host for the very first time in history, the Art and Science of Love Couples Workshop. This workshop was developed by the Einstein of Love himself, Drs. John Gottman and his wife, Dr. Julie Schwartz Gottman. This is a two-day live virtual workshop. It is all grounded in research on what actually keeps relationships happy and stable. We want to see for yourself why millions of couples worldwide have benefited from the Gottman Method. Look, this workshop is designed to strengthen relationships through engaging presentation. That's us. And experiential activities. That's you. And if you have a strong relationship, this workshop will provide you with the insight and tools to foster further closeness, friendship, and trust. And if your relationship is distressed, this workshop will provide you with greater understanding of your relationship and a roadmap for repair. Look, registration is limited. We definitely want to make sure that our friends of Marriage Therapy Radio snag the limited seats. Registration is only $5.99 per couple, and you save 10% off when you register with the code MTR2021. So go to gottman.com forward slash MTR. It's G-O-T-T-M-A-N dot com forward slash mtr we're super pumped to meet you virtually and to spend a weekend sharing our favorite research favorite stories dad jokes and exercises that are all proven to strengthen your relationship just remember to use your promo code mtr 2021 to get the discount and we will see you on october 23rd and 24th for the art and science of love couples workshop 
can I segue a little bit? Um, because I do want to talk to you about your book. And one thing in particular kind of popped out is that you are identifying kind of like the primary conflicts that you see couples come up against over and over and over. And I think, you know, it sort of, yeah. I'm going to say that this is, I'm calling bullshit, um, that when, when they say like one of the main reasons couples get divorced is because of money. Like it's one of the main conflicts is money. And I'm like, no, it's not like, do you know how infrequently I talk about money in my office that it like never comes into the door? Usually it's me, Laura Heck, that is talking or bringing it up. It's not the couple that's bringing it up. So I'm kind of wondering, like, from your view, what would you identify as like the most common conflicts that yeah, couples are having? Yeah, you'll notice in my book, I, I didn't mention sex or money um, right. as one of the most common fights. So yeah. I, I identify five. Okay. We could say there's hundreds. This is just my frame based on the people I work with is there's surface fights, there's projection fights, there's resentment fights, there's value difference fights, and then there's security fights. And sex and money can fit into, you know, somewhere in there because like you said, it's not about the money usually or the sex. It's often because there's a resentment mm-hmm. because something's not happening or something feels unfair. Or security. It, yeah, or security yeah. maybe. And security is also a, a dynamic where someone's got one foot in and one foot out. Mm-hmm. And that feels very threatening to the other person, right, mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. Um, okay, so can you talk about like the projection? Because I'm kind of curious what that's all about. Yeah, my take on that is just we we get into partnership, particularly long-term relationships, and we project our history or a figure from our history onto the other person. Mm -hmm. So I would project my, if my wife's withdrawing, for example, I might project my mom onto her and have a similar experience where I'm feeling dropped, Mm -hmm. feeling kind of shut out, right? Because that's what occurred to me as a kid with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's sort of like Harville and Helen Hendricks sort of imago thing of, it's it's like in that category where we're just projecting stuff from our history when we get hurt in particular or scared or stressed onto our partner. Mm. Okay. And you don't have to, like couples who aren't savvy to projections, you don't even really have to, it doesn't matter. Um, the question is, is it interesting? I find it very interesting. Is it interesting that you've attracted a partner into your life that resembles figures from your past mm. and triggers you in very similar ways as you got triggered as a kid in your family? Mm. And usually there's a pretty strong, most people can make that connection. Be like, yeah, actually my wife kind of as does act like my dad or my mom, you know. Do I, Zach, do I have a, are you, have you projected anybody from your past? Am I a projection of someone? I know, who, I know who, yeah, no, I know who you are in my life. Oh. I've, I've definitely oh, had oh. my dad. There, there's more. been, more about that. Mm. yeah, mm. <laughs> that's so interesting. Um, no, I've actually noticed that, that I like have had to stop and sort of tell myself like, this is not like Zach is not your dad and not like you are my daddy, like a daddy figure. Like you are not the human being in my life that resembles my father, but yeah, I've definitely noticed that. And it has caused conflict uh, or feelings. Yeah. I've never oh, told you about that. You're sweet. That's sweet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, tell me about surface, surface fights. What is that all about? Surface fights is what, you know, people come into your office with is it's often like some communication snag. It's about the dishes or the laundry or the kids drop off times or something that feels surfacey. Yeah. But if it's, if the person makes comments like you're overreacting, it's not that big of a mm-hmm. deal. Geez, whoa, what did I just step mm-hmm. into? It means that there's a tributary going down from that service fight into usually a value difference, a security fight, or a resentment okay. fight. So it starts at surface level, but there's there's one of the other conflict 
types that you have that is really underneath that. What I like about yeah, because people get stuck yeah, on the surface. What I like about the model, I just get stuck there, and it's like, dude, this isn't a yeah, surface. Yeah, yeah. Well, Zach's, I mean, Zach is notorious, by the way, of cutting people off. Like that is just a oh, please. That is, I mean, okay, this is a true thing because I feel like um, I'm learning about this a little bit because I cut somebody off in my practice the other day, and I literally said, "I'm going to stop you right there." Um, and a part of it is because I think that 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 people pay us money so that we will do that. So we'll go, I'm going to stop you right there. They're not yes. paying yeah. us money so that we'll be in polite conversation with them. And then you and okay. I, we've created this little Amen. thing and we just have to step on each other. And it's like, oh, uh, we're talking on the internet and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, when I do that at my house, I get in big trouble. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that that is a thing that is a, that needs, that it needs nuance and understanding mm-hmm. and that it can be annoying in certain contexts. But I did, I stopped mm-hmm. a woman yesterday um, three times for the exact same thing. And, uh, and what I wanted to say was, Jason, your model is going to be really helpful for me in a way that I wish I had hacks, had access to yesterday because it took me three times to kind of get to her, which was we were talking about one of the things, and I, I didn't write them down or uh, memorize them just yet, but whether it was surface or security or the other things. And that mm-hmm. was clearly at stake, but she really wanted to talk about the details. She really wanted to talk about the wardrobe at the yeah. wedding. She kept going right. back to the wardrobe at the wedding and how long in advance she had scheduled the tailor and the tie that they had picked out and yeah. whether or not, you know, it was going to match her. Like, and I kept going, wait, you're not talking about the thing. You're not doing it. So I think, um, mm-hmm. again, to sort of uh, what, as you were talking, I started thinking back, uh, Laura, I remember Claudia Graf grounds, this idea that people are having three fights and the fights right. are, why aren't you more like me? Why aren't you more like my family? And the third one is, why can't you hear my pain? Um, mm-hmm. And part of why we can't hear the yeah. pain is because we're caught up in the details. Um, but the pain is something around security yeah. uh, or, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go in and kind of reorient myself with your categories. Because I do think that categories or systems, as you've noted, can be really helpful there. And I'm, ex- I'm excited about having another one to, to vet. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just modeled actually with that client, a, a great thing we can also do in conflict is no one likes a monologue or I call them monologuers. Uh, when you get in a fight with someone and someone's just going on and on about the details, the other person nine mm-hmm. times oh, yeah. out of 10 is checking out. Right. And my friend Derek Decker calls it captive audience. They're holding you uh, captive as their audience. And they just, they actually lost presence and they lost connection with you and they're not actually mm-hmm. in a relationship anymore. They're just in their own trip, right? Uh, wanting to be seen or known in something. So I, I teach our students um, and couples I always teach is mm-hmm. it's okay to interrupt someone. And sometimes you have to do it in a way that works for the other person. Like, hang, hang on, hang on. Just can I do a quick mm-hmm. time out here? I'm, I'm lost. I want to follow you and I'm getting lost. Uh, or gosh, can you repeat that last part? I, I got stuck there. Um, so th- we're interrupting with the intention of mm-hmm. having the other person feel understood, not interrupting as a way to hog the mic and tell me to tell you about all my mm-hmm. things and complaints about you. So I think that's just another um, fun tool that people can learn <laughs> is I, I, that's my version of active listening is actually interrupting. I like it. It's kind of like back to your, back to your first person, this idea of, well, my husband isn't available to me or my wife's not available to me and that's their problem. And it's like my, my, my husband's always stonewalling me and you're like, maybe you're a monologuer. <laughs> maybe exactly yeah. he might be a monologue yeah. what's your maybe, part in maybe that? that's his only choice because he hasn't learned how to interrupt and you and tell you that he doesn't understand what's up with that 
we, I had a couple where, um, right. just one person would flood really, really quickly and really easily. And, um, and the flooding would result in stonewalling would just totally internalizing, shutting down. And so we just came up with a rule where we put structure in place where it's like, if you're going to have a conflict conversation, he knows that there's a beginning and an end and it's time limited so that he can prep himself nice. and say, exactly. I know that we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes. I can self-soothe for 10 minutes. I know I can do it. And just being able to stay present with her and not shut down has been just a, a total game changer for them. I wish I would have put time limits on mm-hmm. things in my book. I didn't do that. I, you're just right right now triggering that thought of like, oh, fuck, I should that's have right. put that in my It'll, book. So that's when, that. when you re-release and then you drive the price up and do a new, yeah, second, second edition. edition. And, I, and I get like, you know, credit for that. Um, <laughs> whoa. Totally. I had this other, uh, yeah. had this other thought about books actually as i'm in this thing because i you know i have this i've published two on my own the second one's called the marriage therapy journal and people are like why do you have this book and i'm like well i think for books to be meaningful you they have to do something to you right they have to they have to something has to happen and and i think in order to help a book do something to you you have to do something to the book obviously you have to read it Um, the book that i wrote has a lot of like things for people to write in blanks and jokes to laugh at and all this other stuff but to, to this idea of like, you kind of left jokes out the timelines, the joke, my jokes are hilarious that you left mm-hmm. out the timeline. I mean, I do think the reality about timelines is they're mostly arbitrary. Um, so if a couple is reading your book and they're learning about a, yeah. a thing that's going to make sense for you, like maybe what they need to do is put the timeline in the book and say, Hey, I'm going to take a pen and go these surface level right. conversations. They need to happen for only 10 minutes or these security conversations. They need to be protected by, you know, a half an hour and a specific room in the house, you know, or whatever else. Like, I think when we have a book in our head, this is why I love physical books. When you put a physical book in your hand, you ought to be like in relationship with that book, writing in it, folding pages, like, you know, taking notes and, um, and being in conversation. That's why I love talking to authors too, because hopefully folks will buy your book and when they read it, they can actually hear you talk can we, t- can we tell them the name of the book? Cause yeah. I don't think anybody has said it's called getting to zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting to zero, how to work through conflict in your high stakes relationships mm-hmm. by Jason Gaddis. Yeah. So and it's just, not just couples book. Yeah. It's a, it's for individuals, correct. teams, businesses. Um, but yeah, if you have a high stake relationship and you're in conflict with someone and you want to figure it out, this book's for you. I actually was like, what? high stakes relationship. What does that mean? Like, does that mean that this is like my gambling partner? I don't really understand. Uh, so <laughs> I had to do Zero. Isn't that a finance book? Right? What, what the hell yeah. Is so I, I had to do a little bit of Googling and understand like the, the thought process behind it of high stakes relationship. And then it really kind of made sense when you talk about like, no, we are committed or now we have kids. This feels a little mm-hmm. more high stakes than it was before. Right. Yeah. Or we've joined, uh, we're business partners and we just put a hundred grand on the line each. Mm-hmm. And if this doesn't go well, fuck, we lose a mm-hmm. hundred yeah. grand, you know, like that's yeah. a mistake. Man, that's interesting. So, uh, okay. What, aside from what you wrote about in the book, which you probably penned, you know, a year ago, what are you pumped on? Like, what's the new thing that you're just kind of like lit up about? What's the next book basically? Uh, needs. 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 I, I get really fired up about people owning their needs. Mm. And I, I feel um, I've reworked Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <gasps> um, okay, go for it. I've been, yes. Um, yes. 
it came on the scene before attachment science came on the scene. So like you notice there's not even the base level need is like relationships. Mm -hmm. So the, the way we get our needs met is through relationship. You know, it's pretty hard for a baby to meet its own needs. Um, there's a person that has to actually be there. Mm -hmm. So I have this whole model I'm working on. It's got 14, it's a diagram of 14 needs that happen more or less sequentially in the human experience. So I get pumped about that. And, and I, without going in too deep on that, um, what I would say is you guys are obviously familiar with insecure relationships and secure ones and, yeah. you know, what we can do to make, create a more secure partnership, for example. Well, uh, this comes from Dan Siegel's work. If we can own the four S's, which is to feel, I need to feel, uh, need to feel emotionally safe. I need to feel seen. I need to feel soothed and I need to feel supported and challenged. Um, I'm probably going to be in a secure relationship if those needs are also being given, to, you know, they're being given to me and I'm giving them to the other person. Interesting. So I, I think needs are actually very foundational to creating secure partnerships over time. Oh, you, you, we haven't even talked about Dan Siegel's work, um, author of Mindsight and, um, and he, it's awesome. I mean, I think that his books are fabulous, sometimes a little hard to digest. Um, personally, yeah. um, I would love that he would write, yeah. what did you call it? Like a street level book. I, I want, I need like, well, you know what is actually he's, he's, his most street level book is his last parenting book called the power of showing up. But Tina Bryson, obviously he partnered with her. Okay. And she's very good at making things like even more like basic because Dan <laughs> thinks he's making stuff really easy to understand, yeah. but it, it's right. not. Yeah. <laughs> so Tina, along with Dan, I think that book is very digestible, especially for new parents. I love cool. that book. I like that. Um, we've kind of hit a little bit of our mark here. Any, any like other questions, Zach, other than how you want to be best friends with Jason? No, I'm good. Yeah. I'll follow up. Um, <laughs> Can I ask you guys a quick sure. question? Yeah. How do you guys, do you get into conflict and how do you figure it out? When with you each do? other? I, I mean, I basically stone, yeah, I stone all Zach. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gaslights yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we, yeah. I mean, we don't get into as much conflict as you would think. You hear it on the podcast. I mean, we get like irritated with each other. Um, yeah. It's, uh, we have a bit of a sibling relationship, which we haven't quite figured out, like who the older sibling is. I'm sure you can tell <laughs> who the older sibling is just by looking at our faces. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> which one of us has the gray beard? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Laura, my friendship with Laura has actually helped me appreciate this thing that, that the privileges that we get, because I don't get to ask Laura for sex and I don't get to show up with, to Laura in like, uh, in my most like base way. You know, I have yeah. to, I have to squeeze the, yeah. the, the, the boundaries in a lot and that's appropriate for, um, for relationships like this. But, you know, I think it's, I think what we have done is sort of agree that we're not going to fight the major personality battles that, that we really need to fight in our homes. Like Brian's mm -hmm. job is to correct Laura's problem behavior. Correct. Correct it. Well, okay. I, I, I would okay. finish. I mean, you mean well, I would finish the thought, which is that it's Rebecca's job to address and correct my problematic behavior. It's not really Laura's. Like she can sort of go, "Hmm, didn't like yeah. that," or I can say, "Hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't like that." But I'm I'm not going to step into the end. I need you to be a different person zone um, right. for me. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it, right? Like I, I'm not yeah. going to say, "Hey, Laura, I need you to be a different person for me," because I'm not I'm not the the you know it's what I mean? Not as high stakes. We don't have to live together. It's not as high stakes. Yeah. Yeah. I get right. to, we get to walk away if we want. Yep. 
Um, and we have a couple times, yeah. which is, but mm-hmm. we've, we somehow we find our way back to each other, like Bridges of Madison <laughs> County. Never let like, go. <laughs> you guys are a sweet d- dynamic. I, I really appreciate your your vibe together. We got a cool vibe. Thanks. You hear that? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's um, let's do this. First of all, I what is the best place for people to find you? Is it like social media? Is it a website? Like, how can people interact with you? Yeah, relationshipschool.com is probably the the hub. Um, that's where our podcast is and mm-hmm. courses. Oh, and you have a podcast. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's called the Relationship School Podcast. Okay. Interviewed all the all the people there, the the big wigs. I, um, I haven't been interviewed, and I'm pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just met you. I spent some time here. You don't even have a book, Laura. I know, I don't. <laughs> you, yeah, what's your following? How many followers do you have? Yeah, seriously. I, we like, only I'm up interview to 11 people. <laughs> yeah. We're almost yeah. at 1,000. In fact, I think we're going to get over 1,000 by the time this one airs. I'm <laughs> so excited. Hell Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to help out with that. Um, yeah. So relationshipschool.com is, is probably the best place. And my book is, will be, there'll be a link on there for the book and obviously all the places, uh, October 5th. Okay. And where will people find the book? Obviously the big A Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or use, (laughs) hopefully not use bookstores, but local bookstores. You can actually go to the local bookstore and say, look, I want getting to zero. I want five copies of yes. my friends because this book is so fucking awesome. And I want to support your bookstore. That's right. Right on. Yeah. I gave my book uh, to somebody, Jason, I gave my book to somebody and I signed it. And, um, and I was really proud. Cause like, I was like, I, I'm so glad to put this book in your hands. And then, um, I was on Amazon just like doing a little bit of research about my book. And I found like there was a, what was it called? A, like a special edition copy or something yeah. signed by the offer. So I bought it and it was this guy is like relatively no. famous <laughs> influencer guy. And I bought it from the, the local bookstore, the local used bookstore where he lived. And I was like, the spine wasn't even cracked. Dude took my book straight to the used bookstore, got $3 or whatever it was. So um, you know, it wasn't your fault. He was, he was, um, what do they call that? Like the system where like he holds something in his hand and he's like, does this bring me joy? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Marie Kondoing. He Marie yeah, Kondoed he my con- book. He Marie Kondoed during, during, uh, <laughs> bad timing. It was just COVID. bad timing. It wasn't your fault. It was he COVID. Was his house. That's right. The best um, part is we're going to drop a hint. He was a guest. No, on our no, podcast. no, no, no. <laughs> we are not going to drop a hint. <laughs> Um, uh, okay wait (laughs) but there was something else i was going to say about the book which oh fun fact if you're wondering when the book is going to come out october 5th did you know that the first week of october is the most common week for birthdays in the united states I did not no, I did know not that. Know that. Yeah. Wow, Zach. Well, yeah, they're all New Year's wow. babies. Birthday gifts, everybody. <laughs> they're, they're all New Year's, New Year's babies. Baby. All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, I have one more question for you because we talked about the book coming out October 5th. Um, but you had mentioned that you do live workshops. What is, is that really happening? Are you still doing live workshops, these virtual? like? We Yeah. Yeah, so our coaches training is live. When I say live, it's not in person. It's live and yeah. virtual. From anywhere. Um, so we train, yeah, from anywhere coaches to be, and some, we have usually a couple therapists every year in our cohort uh, that want to become coaches and relationship specific people. And then we have uh, a couple times a year, we have uh, this accepted and connected event and it's virtual and anyone from anywhere in the world can come and you can bring a friend for usually a hundred bucks. So it's a pretty good deal and it's 
really short days on Zoom. It's like 10 to 4 and so and with lots of breaks because no one likes to be right. on Zoom all day. I do. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> I apparently do too because I'm I on Zoom yeah. all day. Ditto. So, um, yeah. all, right. all right, well, let's do this. Let's, let's land this plane. Um, Jason, I'll wait for your email inviting me onto your podcast and, um, we can have our listeners find you on social media, on your website, social media. You didn't mention, are you like an Instagram guy? Are you LinkedIn? I'm most active on IG and it's at Jason Gaddis, Jason with a Y. All right. So it's J A Y S O N Gaddis is G A D D I S. Yeah. We, we call we call it the Instagram. Yeah. It's, yeah, the Instagram. Yeah, the, no. we're new to it. All right, yeah. all right, right on. Thanks okay. for thanks for coming on our podcast. We appreciate having your wisdom. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, guys. It's great nice. hanging out with you too. You liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Well, it turns out I want to be best friends with Jason Gaddis. Um, What a cool guy. So he's the founder of The Relationship School. You can find him online at therelationshipschool.com. He has a podcast, The Relationship School podcast. So hop on over to um, just start subscribing and listening. But more importantly, I'm pretty excited for his book to be coming out on October 5th, Getting to Zero by Jason Gaddis. Um, Thank you everyone for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.